We are in a brand new series called Christmas at the Movies. So what we're doing is we're taking some popular movies and we are preaching a message tied to scripture on how this message applies to our lives. Because we can't show movie clips through our YouTube channel, our Facebook, or our website, we can copy the link. So the link to the scenes that we are pulling our points from today will be in the description. They will also be in the comment section uh, in our live version. We're going to do our best to try to make this as a uh, uh, viewer pleasurable as possible. But the idea behind this series, if we're just being completely transparent, was to convince people to come back to the building during this Christmas season, to get people back into services physically, if it's safe for you. Again, if you have a compromised immune system or you are at high risk or your doctor just recommends that you not be in large crowds of people right now, that's why we're filming for you. And it's going to be conducive. I'm going to make it work, okay? So I'm going to start out. We're going to do a little bit of uh, engagement, kind of icebreaker. I'm going to sing the line of a song and then I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to be able to hear you, but pretend like I can hear you. Maybe comment or, or, or say something in the descriptions or comments on Facebook if you're there. You can also do that at EuniceChurch.com. There's a comment section. So I'm going to sing a line. I'm going to play a little game. I'm going to start the song and then you're going to finish it. And so just, just kind of bear with me on my singing if I get off key or whatever because I just got a bunch of little goofy songs. All right, here's the first one. Are you ready? Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. Okay, I'm going to assume that you sang, Do You Hear What I Hear? Now, I love Tim Hawkins' version of that song. If you haven't seen that, you can YouTube that as well. The question there is really, why is the little lamb talking to the shepherd boy? That's kind of a creepy song. All right, let's try another one. Uh, hark the herald angels sing. Yes, dude, somebody got it, I'm almost sure. And by the way, yes, I've been practicing that. My uncle is a choir director in Minden, Louisiana. Shout out to my uncle Joey for I love you, man. All right, one more, one more. Actually, I've got two more. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Yes, a gift card to double action. Praise God, you got it. That was great. All right, one more final one. Tis the season to be jolly. Yes, I hope you got it right. If you missed it, then I just gave you the answer. Jolly, fa la 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 la. And that's what Christmas should be is this season of perpetual hope and joy. And to some, to many, this is the most wonderful time of the year. But to some, it's not. To some, Christmas is another reminder of loneliness. To some, Christmas is not what it used to be. To some, Christmas, this Christmas is not 
what it's supposed to be. But we want to remind you in this very first message of Christmas at the movies that for all of us, Christmas can be what it's supposed to be, which is a celebration of Advent, that Jesus came and Jesus is coming back, that love and joy and peace and the promise of the Christ not just the Christ child, but Christ as king. That is what Christmas is supposed to be. And we're illustrating that today with the sequel. Everybody loves a good sequel. Not quite as much as the original, but sometimes the sequel measures up. I think this is one of the instances where the sequel measures up. The sequel to the second, it was the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time. Little guy named Kellen, Kellen, Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. And we're looking at Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. By the way, next week we're going to look into the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time. Yeah, you guessed it. We're already set up for it. We're going to go with it. The Grinch, that's next week. We're going to learn even more than just what we present and how Christmas saved the Grinch. All right, the first scene of Home Alone 2 that we're going to point to, again, this is going to be in the descriptions. You can go watch it, or you can just go watch the, the whole movie. Um, there's a couple of H yeah, we, that we just yell when we're watching it with our children. We don't yell the word. We yell something different. We like sing fa la 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 or something, and they're like, what are you doing? We're trying to listen. We're like, yeah, no, but we don't want you to hear that part. So home alone to there's a scene where the alarm clock goes off, right? It's a very similar scene to home alone one. The alarm clock goes off. They slept in. They're going on vacation for Christmas, which I personally think is a great idea. They're going on vacation. Um, this year they're going to Florida, you know, the former movie home alone one, they were going to, I believe France this year. They're going to, to Florida. The alarm clock goes off. Uh, they're, they're in a rush. They're in a hurry. They barely get to the airport on time. This time they actually take Kevin to the airport with them. They don't forget him at home. They take him to the airport and he has his dad's bag. Okay. He's carrying his father's luggage. He has a purpose. It's his job to, to get what his father gave him into the place that he's supposed to be, okay? So he's carrying his father's luggage, but he gets distracted because in the hustle and bustle, he wants to put some batteries in his little talkback playback machine, which I had one. And, and if you've never seen these, I'm sure they're on Amazon somewhere. They're a great time. It's a little tape player. You talk into it and then it plays back or you record something else and it plays back. And he wants his batteries in this machine and he's digging through his dad's bag and they're all running off. He's like, dad, wait, wait. Wait, dad, wait. I mean, I'm going to finish what I'm doing, but you need to wait. And then all of a sudden he looks up and he thinks he sees his dad, but it's somebody else that looks similar, wearing the same trench coat as if this person is a distraction. He gets to the gate and he runs into the ticket collector and the tickets fall all over the place and he goes down the tunnel. They let him on the plane and his family's going to Florida and the, the screen, the camera scrolls up and it says New York. 
And Kevin, 10-year-old little boy, is headed to New York all alone. We have the beginnings of Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, distractions interrupt directions. Distractions interrupt direction. Our distraction is often our own flesh, our own desires, the world in which we live, the people in the world in which we live, or even the powers and principalities of darkness, the enemy himself, who comes and looks very similar to the Father if you're looking from the back, but the face is different. And the enemy wants us to be distracted in life. What are some of the things that distract us? Well, number one, procrastination. Putting off until tomorrow what we could have gotten done today. Procrastination can cause distraction because instead of living with margin and extra time, give you a little personal example here recently, we decided as a family that we're not going to wait until 7.35 to make sure we have everything when we need to leave the house at 7.40. We would rather operate with a little margin. So we're going to say our new time for making sure that we have our lunch and we've brushed our teeth and we're wearing socks is <laughs> going to be 7.20. So that way by 7.30, we have margin. And we can get anything else done that we need to get done instead of procrastinating and waiting to the last minute and then being in a hurry because being in a rush can become a distraction. Another distraction is not learning the lesson of a mistake that we've already made. It's interesting to me. Look, if we had just done this the year before and I didn't want to be late for my plane a second time, maybe, maybe mixing in a second alarm clock would be a good idea. Maybe uh, setting multiple opportunities to wake ourselves up early enough. These days, I don't know where mine is, but we have iPhones and we can set multiple alarms just to make sure that we don't sleep in too long and then get ourselves in a hurry and, and we don't learn the same lesson. We can end up making the same mistake that we've already made and we can end up leaving ourselves with no time end up separating ourselves from God's presence because we didn't manage our time well, because we didn't learn the lesson. And then finally, we just don't listen to our father. In this scene, the little boy, Kevin, he doesn't listen to his dad. Kevin, come on, Kevin, come on. And I just, I can see God doing that with us. Chris, come on. Come on, Chris, look at me, pay attention to me. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to do this and I want to do that. I want to live this way. I want to try this. And God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to let you get all of that stuff done. But right now I need you to do what I need you to do. And there will be time left for the things that will actually fulfill you without distracting you. Listening to the Father and learning to hear that still small voice because when we don't listen, we end up feeling lost and alone. When we don't listen, you may want to write this down. It's not in your notes. When we don't listen, we end up missing. We miss opportunities. We miss time. 
we miss moments that God had for us. But here's the good news. Number two, if you're taking notes, distracted does not mean denied. The next scene that we're showing, again, it's in the description. And if you're watching on Facebook, it should be in the comments. We're posting it everywhere that we can. The next scene is Kevin meets a lady, a homeless lady in Central Park. He's known in the movie as kind of a bird lady. She feeds the pigeons. And at first he looks and he goes, oh, gross, because she's not like him, because she's not clean. She's not put together. She's feeding pigeons in the park. She's homeless. She doesn't have a job. She's not cleaned up. Okay, so he looks and he goes, oh, gross. And then in another scene, there's a clip where she's up close to him and she scares him and he does the thing. Which is like the best part. It's like his, his trademark, right, in these movies that he would scream and he's scared and he runs off. But then it comes into a scene where he apologizes for screaming in her face. <laughs> and she takes him up and, and shows him these things in New York that he wouldn't have been able to see. Takes him up into a tower over the top of an orchestra. And, and, and she shows him how she lives. And he begins to make a connection with her. And then ultimately, she is the one that saves him at the end of the movie from the bad guys who had caught him. And then he brings her these two turtle doves that is a representation of friend. We also know that in scripture, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove. I can't help but think of the Holy Spirit whenever I see doves and this connection that God had for him. Even though he got distracted. Okay, and I know it's a movie, but you've got to understand that this is representative in life. That God can take your distractions and use you or them despite you. God can take your distractions and use you, use them despite you. God is sovereign enough. We have to, in order to be used by God, even in the midst of the distractions, and hey, listen, Christmas comes with all, this season comes with all kinds of distractions. It is so easy to lose focus on what really matters, specifically in this time of the year. It's so easy to get caught up in what we wanted or, or, or our own perception. And here's what we have to do. We have to allow the Father to reveal to us and help us see from his point of view. Jesus actually says this, John records it in chapter 7, verse 24. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Jesus says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. And I just want to leave that up there for a second, because this isn't just a reference to people. In the movie, Kevin judges this lady based upon her appearance. Ooh, gross. Okay, but, but he's also judging his situation based upon appearance. At first, he sees himself as being away from his family, like, uh-oh, we did it again. His mother wakes up on the plane, Kevin, because she realizes he's gone. And if we're not careful, we can make a judgment of our circumstance, of our past, of our present situation 
We can certainly make judgments of people based upon appearance, based upon what we see, based upon our perspective. And if we want to make sure that God is able to take even our distraction that caused us to miss out on the current direction and turn that back and give us destiny despite the distraction, then we have got to learn how to see from his perspective of righteousness and not just our perspective of appearance. We've got to have the eyes of God. Here's what I want to tell somebody today. Stop judging yourself. Stop judging your circumstance as if God can't do anything with it. Stop judging the people in your circumstance. Learn what God wants you to learn and hear what the Lord wants you to hear. There's no purpose in continuing to condemn yourself for what's been done. Heed to the conviction and let God give you a new revelation. Let him allow you to see from his perspective. Write this down. Number three, God can use that. God can use that. Whatever it is, whatever that is for you, Maybe it's your life. Maybe it's your decisions. Maybe it's your situation. Maybe it's your struggle. Maybe it's the person that you don't know that God can use anymore, that you've maybe given up on or that's hurt you the most or that you've even lost. I'm telling you, God can use even that. Our third compilation here in our scenes is, is going to be when Kevin throws a brick through the toy store window. Mr. Duncan collects money for the children's hospital. He owns Duncan's toy store in the movie, and he collects money for the children's hospital. And, and that is what Marv and Harry, or the bad guys, are going to rob. And Kevin intervenes. This 10-year-old boy intervenes. And this is very biblical, by the way. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, Don't despise your youthfulness, so God can use you. Hey, listen, if, if Paul would write to Timothy and say, don't despise your youthfulness, then I'm sure that Paul would have appreciated if somebody would have written him. I'm sure that somebody encouraged him at some point. Don't despise your eldership. Don't despise your seniority. For the latter years can be even more productive than the former. Kevin is used in this scene. He throws a brick through the window. The alarm goes off. They chase him out. They jump on a board. The board explodes him up into a car. They chase him to his uncle's house in New York. He goes to the house that's being renovated. And for about the next 20 minutes, you get the whole point of the movie, which is the bad guys get what they deserve. And it's awesome. It's actually our favorite part. We watch Home Alone 2 probably more often than we watch any other of the Home Alones. And by the way, they're all on Disney+. Plus. You can go watch Home Alone if you have Disney+. Plus. And actually, they're all pirated on YouTube as well. Or you can go to this local store named Walmart, probably even some gas stations along the way, and pick up your copy. It'll be a great new Christmas tradition. Let's watch Home Alone and Home Alone 2. 
God positions us and uses us even when we don't know what he wants to do. God, the Lord knows all things, right? And so he doesn't just know that you're going to make a bad decision and now suffer bad consequences. He doesn't just know that you're going to make a good decision and experience good consequences. He doesn't just know obedience and blessing or disobedience and curse. He knows that when you don't make the exact decision that you were supposed to, when something happens, he now knows about 47 different algorithm type atmospheres that he could put you in for you give you more opportunities to make the right decision. He knows every outcome of every little decision that we make, and he provides a way where there seems to be no way, even when it seems like we went the wrong way. He's that sovereign. That is who God is. God can use that. I know it's a movie and it just happened to work out. In the movie, Kevin is positioned to fight against the enemy. Listen to me. In life, God has positioned you to fight against the enemy and to be victorious in Jesus' name. Don't you let the devil think that you became so distracted that you missed out on God's direction and or your destiny. You are still marked, chosen, loved, and anointed to accomplish what God wills. God, wherever you are, whatever you've done up to this point, Whatever your situation or decisions have been, God can use that. You don't get to be alone this Christmas. His sovereignty is stronger than your situation. It's who he is. His sovereignty is greater and stronger than your sin. I had a conversation with people recently, people I love, and we were all reminded as we shared our stories with one another and what our lives looked like, that where sin abounds, grace and sovereignty abounds all the more. The sovereignty of God is stronger than your situation. I want you to write this down. He can bring purpose to my pain. He can bring purpose to my pain. He can bring reason to my season. I know it's cliche, but sometimes you have to confess these things. Come on, somebody write down. He can be the fulfillment even in my frustration. He's that sovereign. God can position me in my present, despite the problems of my past. He's that sovereign. It's his kingdom. Guys, write this down if you missed all the rest of it. He is God. He's God. I know it's easy to forget sometimes when we feel like we're headed in the wrong direction or things happened because of the decisions that we've made or worse, things happened even though we felt like we had made the right decisions. Sometimes we just need to remember that he is God. 
Number four, in closing. It's actually where I got the title of this message. I mean, the message was based off of the movie Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. But number four is God cannot leave you alone. Man, why would you say that? Why would you say he cannot? Because the Bible promises that he will never, that means he can never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus tells parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin and how the shepherd would be relentlessly pursuing the one that was lost. God, according to his word, cannot leave you alone. That's why I entitled this message in my notes. You don't get to be alone this Christmas. You don't get to be alone this Christmas. You can choose to be lonely this Christmas. Or you can choose to acknowledge that you're never alone. The final scene that we're going to show again in the descriptions posted in the comments. Kevin's mother is searching the streets of New York relentlessly. Just like God would be seeking for you. Just like Jesus told the parable of the shepherd searching, leaving the 99 to go after the one. If you're hurting and you fit the description of for you, this just isn't the most wonderful time of the year. We're about to flip the script on the enemy. In the movie, Kevin's mother is searching the streets of New York. She walks up to a police officer. He rolls down the window. She's trying to ask if he's seen her little boy. He tells her, you're looking for a needle in a haystack. What's funny is she was really just looking for her lost son. And we understand as parents or guardians or loved ones of a child that if we have one child lost, we're not like, oh, well, I got two more. Hey, where's Emery? Oh, I don't know. I've got Adeline and Gabriel. Oh, well, yeah, two's, two's good enough. Two out of three ain't bad. No, 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 no. No, no, you, you, would, you would leave your kid, the two that you have, you would leave them. I just said kids, baby goats. I get on to our staff all the time. You would leave your child <laughs> with somebody that you just barely remotely trust to go find. Either that or you'd be dragging them all over the place looking for the one that's lost. And that's what she's doing. And then she remembers that he loves the Christmas tree. And so there's this scene at the end of the movie where he's standing and He's kind of praying to the Christmas tree, which is a little bit sacrilegious, and I own that, and I didn't really like it. So I explained that to, to my children. We don't pray to Christmas trees. We pray to Jesus. But all of a sudden, his mama shows up, and there's this scene where they run after one another. Kevin, Mom, and they embrace the son, the lost son, is found. He's found because he was hoping to find her but he's found because she was relentlessly pursuing him. I'm telling you, parents in 2020 are not better than the father of all time. You are not looking for your children more relentlessly. You would not be looking for a lost child more relentlessly than God is looking for you. You don't get to be alone.
this Christmas. See, God is waiting for you to come to your senses and acknowledge his presence. This is a beautiful example of the extent that a parent would go to to find a lost child. You have to understand that when you're hurting, your heavenly father is hurting with you. He is not a better daddy. I am not a better daddy than he is. And when my children hurt, I hurt with them. When my bride hurts, I hurt with her. And your father is there and he is available and he is waiting for you to come to your senses and notice his presence. He is waiting this Christmas. That's why I say you don't get to be alone this Christmas. You don't get to judge yourself for your past that Jesus has already paid for this Christmas. You don't get to falsely assume that God can't use you or your situation. You don't get to judge according to appearance this Christmas. Why? Because Christmas is not about presence. Christmas is about his presence. That is what this thing is all about. And I don't think that Disney meant to give such a great message, but I'm all about redeeming what the world meant just for fun and laughters and maybe even a little evil and flipping the script. See, Christmas is about the presence of God. And watch this. The Bible makes a promise that in his presence is fullness of joy. So tis the season to be jolly, to choose joy, to acknowledge the presence of God this Christmas. The sacrifice of his son, the advent coming of the Christ child and the return of Christ as king. You don't get to be alone because God cannot leave you alone. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with us right where you are? Father, I know that to some this season is a reminder, but God, right now, I pray that this season would be refreshed. Lord, I pray that this year we would choose you and choose joy and we would begin to make new memories to replace any memory or any thought, God, any burden that may be different than what you have for us. God, right now, I lift people up to you who are not looking forward because they didn't have your perspective. And God, right now, I pray that you would begin to change that perspective. Lord, that you would begin to help us to see as you see and to know that Christmas is all about you and your presence and, and we don't get to be alone. We don't get to be alone. With heads bowed and eyes closed, right now, if you've been away from God, if you've drifted away in your relationship, if, if you're not confident of who you are in Christ, I can tell you today that the Savior is here. He came and he sent his spirit and he's coming back. He is present right now. 
and he wants more than anything for you to be in right relationship with him. That's why he came so that he could redeem. If right now you need to give your life to Jesus, to receive salvation, to commit or recommit your life to Jesus, what better time of year than the Christmas season of 2020 to point back for the rest of your life and into eternity that that's when I truly gave my life to Jesus. That is when I recognized his presence. That is when I received his salvation. If that's you, I wanna invite you to open your hands right where you are and begin this journey with a simple confession. Come on, if that's you right now, I wanna invite you to just repeat this prayer with me and confess Jesus as Lord of your life. Come on, pray this with me, Jesus. Forgive me where I've fallen, where I've sinned, where I've been disobedient, selfish, and distracted. Lord, cleanse me and save me. I believe you came and you gave your life. You died on the cross and paid for my sin. You were raised from the dead so I could be born again, made new like you. Jesus, take my life, make it yours. I surrender. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.